Welcome to the WWE Podcast Mailbag, the show all about the listeners. We've got a lot to get through tonight. You guys bombarded me with emails and Instagram and Twitter and really any means. I mean, I think I actually have a smoke signal I have to interpret later in the show, um, as well as voicemails. So we're going to get to that and answer questions and listen to your rants in just a minute as the calendar turns to December 1st. But first, a little bit of love for the sponsor, and then we're going to get things going with the WWE Podcast Mailbag right after this. Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? Maybe one that's inspiring, relatable, and just plain fun to listen to? Then check out Curated Advice on Better Living. That's Curated Advice on Better Living. So what exactly is this podcast about? Well, it's hosted by millennial Khaled Sultan and his quest to discover different cultures, perspectives, and philosophies. There's nothing scripted in this show. No conversation is the same. The only recurring question they have is, what's your advice on how to live a better life? I think we can all find a way to live a better life. And this podcast, with listening just just a couple of episodes, I can tell you with confidence that you'll be able to relate to some of these topics. And the latest episode that has been published is all about a toxic relationship that his guest was in just prior to the a pandemic. And the relationship he was in ended, his 10-year relationship ended just prior to the pandemic beginning. And you hear his struggle, his, his, uh, his journey to healing. And it's so well done, very high quality audio, so you don't have to worry about that. And you can find this podcast. It's called Curated Advice on Better Living. It's available really everywhere, right? Podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, you have Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Spotify, Stitcher, and much more, including Anchor. So you're not going to want to miss this. Each episode is a different guest. And the latest episode, their fourth episode, they talk to a coworker from the radio on his career in radio. So you're not going to want to miss that. You can check out Curated Advice on Better Living and help yourself live a better life today. This is WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and you're listening to the WWE Podcast. The one that everybody wants, me. All right, everybody, it is time for the WWE Podcast Mailbag. You have been asking me, you've been emailing me and Instagramming me, and it is now time for me to answer. So let's just jump right into it. I'll forego all of the ad placements of my own and and in promoting Patreon and everything like that. Maybe I'll do that later later in the show just for selfless promotion and to annoy you guys. But um, let's get into the mailbag. And as as it goes, as the rule goes, patrons of the show do get priority placement in the show. That is one of the perks of this uh, of being a patron of the show. So is is that you get priority placement right up front. So let's start out as I always say. Let's let's change things up, right? Let's be a little different and start with Randy, the patron. And he starts out and says that he's loving The Miz and Edge. I think that promo was pretty good with some real stuff. What he said about Morrison, you can tell Miz wanted to cry. Two questions. One, do you think Maurice is going to wrestle again? 
And two, how do you think they will book this 50-50 or, or Miz winning? Well, first of all, I agree. I know that uh, some people actually didn't like this segment. I loved it. I thought it was the best thing Miz has done in about five years. Edge just continues to pump out great promos. That's what he does. He's a promo machine. I think that Maurice, based on her ring gear and the way he announced Maurice is back, that maybe she's going to dabble in the women's division a bit. Maybe she will branch off on her own. That's the message I got. And if there's one thing WWE is good at, it's not just saying the word message, it's delivering the message. Hell, it, it may even be elevated to a statement. I mean, let's not get crazy, but that's the way that I interpreted it, is that Miz was reintroducing her as essentially another part of the women's division. I could be totally wrong, and she's just eye candy for the Miz and helping him win matches. But I actually hope Maurice becomes a part of the women's division. The women's division needs it. Needs it badly. They need depth, period. Not that Maurice is some kind of superstar, but she has notoriety. Um, I just don't know if she'd be able to keep up in the ring with today's talent, but we'll see. I could be totally wrong, um, but that's my thought. As far as how they're going to book this, I don't think Miz wins this. No way. Edge can't win a beat Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell and then turn around and lose to the Miz. It's not, it's not logical. So, no, I think that this is setting up Edge for something bigger, and Miz is a stepping stone for Edge to get there. Just as Miz is a consistent transitional champion, whenever he wins a championship, especially like a top championship, WWE championship, he's a transitional champion by definition. So, and it should be that way. I don't want to see Miz as champion, but I'll say this, like, without Morrison there, Miz is way more to, uh palatable those two together are oil and water in my mind but um yeah so okay next love live or, or excuse me love love live and tony getting shots is almost as if it's almost as if you build talent instead of cutting them eventually they can grow i can see the emotion on live when she talked question though you think after Liv loses next week, they continue or just end it? Great question, Randy. Great question. And I have been of this belief, and I'll continue to be of this belief, that they WWE is using next week after she extremely predictably loses as a litmus test to see how fans react. Because WWE for so long, and they have heard it, have heard from fans that Liv is... You know, Liv is underutilized. Give her a chance. She's been around forever. Come on. What's going on? We want Liv. We want Liv. Long live, you know, long live, live, or whatever, whatever they come up with. And I think that WWE is saying, okay, well, let's see how you react when we screw her out of the championship next week. Is it indifference? Is it uh, sympathy? Is it anger? What is it? You know, that's, I think, what they're going to do to us. How does social media and the fans in attendance, how do they react? Because if they react indifferently and don't care, then this goes nowhere and it just ends. If the fans start to get behind it and you hear some interest, they may continue this. That's my thought. Next, imagine if Kevin Owens wins. I know everyone wants him to leave, but what if they have a plan of him winning and then him and Seth feud, which is great. 
I don't want to see him leave. I guess I'm selfish. And Big E can do whatever at this point. Yeah, Big E, I really don't care what he does. I, I, I really I don't. As a performer, I think he's fine. You know, he, in the ring, he's really good. I'm not going to go through my Big E spiel again, but I agree. I don't care what Big E does. But as far as Kevin Owens and Seth, I have been of the belief and been under the impression that, and even Kevin Owens alluded to on Raw a few weeks ago, that after three months, he's gone, which now is in, what, two months? So time is flying. Uh, and, you know, in two months from now, he could be show, showing up at AEW Dynamite. But what if he signed his extension? What if he did? We won't know. We'll know after the end of January what's going on. If the dirt sheets don't leak it beforehand. But it's possible. Anything's possible. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I just have been of the belief, as Kevin Owens leaked, that he is starting a countdown, essentially, a number of months back on Twitter, that he's gone after his contract expires from WWE at the end of January. And I think AEW would be a much better fit for him. So we'll see what happens. It's very possible. It is very possible. Kevin Owens wins. He signed an extension. Okay, that, that is a, that's a telltale sign that they have signed an extension with Kevin Owens, and he's staying in WWE. They wouldn't put the belt on somebody that's leaving in four weeks, you know, at that point. So, um, all right, let's continue on. Love Sammy, and do you think they're going to give him a little bit, uh, a little run with a 24-7 title? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, do I think they're going to give him a title? Yeah, maybe. I hope it's not the 24-7 title. I'd rather have no championship than a 24-7 championship. And I mean that. The 24-7 title is, I mean, to say it's a joke would be doing a disservice to the word joke. I know some people love it, and it's a it's a palate cleanser for the middle of the program. It's a let-me-up segment. It's a comedy, whatever you want to call it. I call it a wasteful segment. That's what I call it. An embarrassing segment. An unnecessary segment. I mean, can I, may I go on? That's how I view it. But that's me. If you enjoy it, great. Um, but as far as Sammy getting an actual legitimate championship, man, I hope so. I loved him as Intercontinental Champion, and he was actually feuding with Braun Strowman at one point before uh, COVID hit, and Braun Strowman couldn't get his hands on Sammy Zayn. That was a lot of fun. They never paid that off because COVID hit. So... You know, I think Sammy is any kind of champion would be great. Uh, you know, I, I want him to be a heel champion. He's he's really good in the ring and on the mic. He can't, you know, he, he's on his own level. I have sung the praises of Sammy Zayn for many, many months. And uh, that's how I feel about it anyway. And, and do I think they're going to do it, though? Probably not in the near future. They view Zam- Sammy as kind of like this. This heel that can talk pretty good, get some heat, but then it immediately gets blown off when he loses. They very rarely build heat with Sammy, where he consistently is getting one up, one up, one up, winning, 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 cheating to win, running his mouth. Very rarely do they build heat with Sammy, or really any heel for that matter, before they have just the, for whatever reason, incessant need and reaction to just blow it off. That's not how you build a heel, by the way. But anyway, thanks, Randy. Thank you so much and hope everything's well. And I will talk to you next week as well. All right, let's get to Miller. Let's see. And I feel like I know how he's going to open this email. And I was right. Uh, Another great patron of the show. 
He says, how's it, Matt, and all the listeners? Miller here from BAU to full South Africa. Got back last night from a two-week holiday in Johannesburg with the family. Was so amazing, but missed a lot of wrestling. Been catching up today, and thanks to all the hosts once again for your great shows Keep us to keep us all informed. Well, first of all, uh, I hope you enjoyed your two-week holiday over there in Johannesburg. That's awesome. And uh, nothing like spending time with the family, not having to worry about work or even even wrestling for that matter. But yeah, you, I mean, you did miss a lot. But anytime it's around the holidays, typically you don't miss too much. This is the slow time of year for wrestling. But I'm glad that we we're able to keep you informed. We do have a great team here to uh, to keep everybody up to date on everything going on in wrestling. And uh, let's move on here. Firstly, I love the fact that the WWE Universe, again, Miller, you're, you're banned here. I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase what you're saying. We're going to change the word universe to fans. Firstly, I love the fact that WWE fans are popping every time for Jeff Hardy, probably one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. And we all know he's on his farewell run, sadly. The fact that at his age, he still does everything he did 20 years ago is incredible. Agreed. The, the guy is um, a, a machine, an absolute machine. So we've had thousands of discussions about who the guy is to beat Roman is and a Roman reigns versus Jeff Hardy match is definitely going to happen. My question is with a lot of wrestlers from their past, their retirement match was very memorable. Maybe not Kurt angle, but who should be the guy to retire Jeff Hardy? I would love to see him with one more title run. Probably not the universal title, maybe I see title. My two options are Jeff Hardy versus reigns for the universal title versus Jeff's career. How about, but how about we know Jeff doesn't have a long run left, so, but also Edge. They had tag, they had um, tag teams, one of the best storylines and moments. I'm not sure what you're trying to say there, so I apologize. But Jeff Hardy versus Edge, loser retires. So maybe that in a year. Okay, I'm going to pause there before your next uh, point, your final point. I will say, Miller, great thinking here. Great thinking. I didn't even really consider that. Now, we all know, as you said, and everybody, I think, listening to this podcast knows that Jeff Hardy is likely very close to the end of his career, at least in WWE. Maybe he does end up having another match here or there in AEW or in another promotion. But as far as his WWE career, yeah, I mean, it's 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 getting close. I don't know his end date for his contract or anything like that. But Roman Reigns should be the guy to do it. Absolutely do it. It would be the title versus the career. And Jeff Hardy loses. And Roman Reigns can brag about ending the career of Jeff Hardy. It's a perfect way to go out. And as is tradition with professional wrestling, and when wrestlers leave territories or leave the sport completely, you do the favors for the people that are still going to be there. And what better way for Jeff Hardy to give back to the business than being able to give the claim to Roman that he ended the career of the legendary Jeff Hardy? Great thinking, Miller. I mean, that, that's a that's a great, great idea. As far as Jeff Hardy versus Edge, loser retires, that's also possible. The only way to do that, though, is Edge actually um, turns heel. And then we see an Edge uh, being able to claim that he ended the uh, career of Jeff Hardy. The only problem with that is, as nostalgic as that would be with the whole, you know, Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys kind of like spinoff of that. And they have a hell of a lot of history they could pull from. The video packages would be awesome. And the promos would be fun, too, except on Jeff's side. Jeff's never been a great promo. Uh, but the problem with that is you're going to be giving a career 
to a guy that is also at the end of his career. So the problem with that is, again, that you would be able to give the bragging rights to a guy that is also at the end of his career. You'd want to give it to a guy that is on a hell of a run, a legendary run, or an up-and-comer. Edge is neither. So while I understand the nostalgia point of that, I feel like the the long-term benefit of that would be lost if Edge ends up being the one to retire him. I don't mind if they have a match. I just don't want Edge to to retire Jeff because I think that could be um, something that is uh, better utilized for a younger talent. Okay, I don't watch AEW, but always go up uh, to the promos you mentioned and did that again with CM Punk versus MJF. That was incredible and felt like Edge and Miz really tried to match them, and they did a great job. I'm actually excited for an Edge versus Miz match. They, I think the buildup to it could be really good, and Edge is perfect to build up superstars whether they win or lose. Look where Seth Rollins is now. So that, that might be the character change and build that the Miz needs. Okay, Yes. Um, that that look. Yes, you're you're right. I mean, Seth Rollins is better for for uh, facing Edge, even in a loss, which I still don't believe Seth Rollins should have done. Even in a loss, though, you you kind of forget that he lost, and just remember that he was in a great program with Edge, and they had really good matches. And Seth did win a big match in uh, Madison Square Garden, trying to break the neck of Edge. That's his claim to fame in that program. Um, and we're working backwards in your statement here. Yes, I do believe that. Edge and Miz tried to, I guess, tried to one-up what MJF and CM Punk did. And there's no more flattering form of, um, what's the, no, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I, was, I almost said that backwards. So I do believe that was their answer to AEW, of which CM Punk and MJF, nobody's going to touch that. They did a heck of a job trying to counter that or replicate their own version of that. While it was still really good, when you could put it up against CM Punk and MJF, it, it, it still doesn't hold a candle to it. That's how good MJF is. I mean, I, is, CM Punk's good. MJF is otherworldly on the microphone. He is a, I mean, I really would put him against the best of the best in WWE. I would actually love to see MJF square off in a verbal battle with John Cena. Think about that. Now, I, I don't think that would ever happen given all of the, just the hurdles that would have to take place. Like, number one, they're in two different promotions. Number two, Jeff or um, John, John Cena is not a active competitor, even barely on a part-time basis. Um, and would they ever have a cross-promotion match? No. John Cena would have to be the one to go to AEW to confront MJF. That's the only way it would happen. MJF would never come to WWE. And I don't think John Cena would do that given he's a company guy and he toes the line and it would feel like he's it's betrayal. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever see it, but I would love imagine that because John Cena to me is the best of all time on the microphone in WWE or at least one of MJF is the current best wrestler on the microphone. I mean, it's not even close like it's MJF and everyone else. He is that damn good. And uh, CM Punk is no slouch. We all know that CM Punk is really good on the mics too. But man, M MJF scorched him. I got to say, MJF scorched him. While CM Punk got a couple of zingers in, MJF just lit constant fire. So guys, go freaking see that promo. You, you'll remember what real wrestling promos could be and should be.
not this scripted nonsense. Uh, but of course, not everybody has the uh, the wit and ability to articulate like MJF and CM Punk do. All right. Um, let's see. I want to make sure I hit all your points here. Oh, Maurice back. Do you think Beth Phoenix might also come back? I'm glad you mentioned that Kevin Owens is like Becky Lynch. Don't know if you must love or hate him. I'm a huge KO fan, but he feels like a, a bit of a, a bit to me like Sasha Banks. Turns from heel to face, heel to face to face to heel without any reason, but he'll probably take the pinfall in a triple threat. It's interesting. If he doesn't, would that mean he probably would not leave WWE? Hope everyone has an amazing week. Cheers till next time. Yes. Th- well, thank you. you. You as well, Miller. And hope everything is great over there in uh, in, in Af- South Africa. Now, I just as I just mentioned uh, in the last email that, yeah, if Kevin Owens wins. You can pretty much bet that Kevin Owens has signed some kind of extension with WWE. Most people feel he's in this match to take the pinfall to cover Big E, but also accomplish the goal of transferring the championship to Seth Rollins. I still believe that. I still believe I think that's a very high chance. But there, again, to me, that would be a big signal if KO wins this match. Um, moving backwards here. Um, yeah, Kevin Owens is like Becky Lynch. I don't know if I'm going to love or hate or supposed to love or hate him. Yeah, because we get mixed signals. Same, and same with Sasha Banks. Can anyone definitively tell me what Sasha Banks is, what Becky Lynch is, and what Kevin Owens is? Can anyone tell me? Because I still have yet to see it. All three of them. Uh, Kevin Owens turning heel. Becky Lynch turned heel. Neither of them have changed their music. They haven't done anything dastardly. What what has Becky Lynch and or Kevin Owens done dastardly? Or that makes you just really hate them and want to see them get beat up? Okay, so we have Becky run down the home hometown, uh, what is a hockey team? The Long Islanders, right? Uh, big deal. Big deal. That's such low-hanging fruit. To go after the city's, uh, to go after the city's sports teams if they're doing poorly. It, number one, it's only applicable to those in attendance, which is about one percent of your total audience for the show. Because ninety-nine percent of the people are watching at home, going, "Yeah, I don't really care about uh, that local sports team. That doesn't matter to me. Don't care. You know, <laughs> doesn't matter." So it's, I guess, the perception of getting booed on camera that we're supposed to take from that and then continue to feel that way when we get to the event uh, in our hometown. But other than that, what has Becky Lynch done? What, what has she done? Okay, she held on to the rope to beat Charlotte Flair, another heel, and she just did what Charlotte tried to do, so tit for tat, and she beat Charlotte at her own game. She ran down a sports team. Nobody cares about that other than the people in attendance because it's only relevant there. Like, and then, oh, she wears obnoxious uh, big mink coats to the ring, and she has glasses on now to make herself look like she has a big ego now. Okay. that that To me, that you could boast that as confidence and an evolution of the character. Again, you and then you look at Kevin Owens. What has he done? That you're supposed to hate him for. Oh, he abandoned the Survivor Series team. Well, nobody cares about Survivor Series in terms of brand supremacy anyway. I mean, like literally nobody except management. And then what? He's sitting backstage, minding his own business, wearing a a, a vintage Survivor Series t-shirt. And we're supposed to dislike him because he's trying to get himself into the championship picture. So, like, what what is happening? And then Sasha Banks, quote unquote, turns babyface. 
But how is she a baby face when the only thing we have to stand on or that she has to stand on and logic for a baby face turn has to stand on is that she got beat up by Shotzi. That's it. She just got beat up by Shotzi and we're supposed to all feel sympathy for it and suddenly love her because why? She she got beat up. She's a good looking woman. Somebody throw something out there. She still has one of the most annoying channel changing laughs I've ever heard in my life. Like, like Sasha Banks is an ultra talented top tier women's competitor. One of the best of all time will be in the Hall of Fame. But at the same time, it's amazing as talented as somebody can be that they have a trait that also makes you want to change the channel. It's amazing. I, I, I don't know somebody else that has that ability that has those polar opposite traits <laughs> that is also a Hall of Famer, but yet you want to change the channel when they do something. And her laugh, Sasha Banks's laugh, it's not heat-inducing to the point where I want to see somebody slap her face. It's heat-inducing like this is a manufactured laugh that you're trying to sound evil and, and annoying with, and it's it comes off phony, but it's also so annoying that it's just like, okay, I, I can't watch this. I need to turn my brain off and watch something else. That's the difference of Sasha Banks' laugh. It's, it's um, I don't know. I mean, she's an amazingly talented woman, but man, oh, man, her laugh is channel-changing. That's what that is. Somebody, somebody's going to argue, well, that's still heel heat. She's getting you mad. No, she's making me cringe. It's cringy. That's secondhand embarrassment. There's a difference. That's the difference. And that's weird to say with Sasha Banks because she's so good. So good. On almost every level. But anyway, let's move on. I'm getting lost in the weeds here. Okay. I wonder, did I touch everything here? Oh, Maurice, do I think Beth Phoenix is going to come back? Um, that'd be fun. Uh, I think that they could have a fun tag team match and Beth Phoenix. I mean, I don't know her physical status. I don't know, you know, what that, what that is. Maybe she would be ready or at least able to do a tag team match with her and edge versus Maurice and Miz. That'd be a fun little, uh, day one match, huh? That would be, I agree. But as fun as that would be, as kind of like husband and wife versus husband and wife, has that ever been done, by the way? Probably it's somewhere in WWE uh, history. But that would also take the focus off of what we the greatness we saw on Monday, which was simply Edge and simply Miz. Maurice was a non-factor. Like, she was just a sideshow. She was not what everyone was watching, which was every word of Miz and, and, and Edge. So... To me, there's there's benefits to that, but the, the downside is you're also uh, kind of skewing the attention maybe where it doesn't belong, where you could have otherwise had a great one-on-one -on -one match with a really good story. So, all right, Miller, let's keep rolling on. Thank you. Let's get to Joel. Joel, our, our, uh, one of our latest and newest patrons, so thanks again. And um, let's get on to your, your email. And you say, hopefully this gets in the mailbag this week with my previous message I sent before I watched Raw this week. I think that's not the last we see between Seth and Finn. Uh, at least I hope. But anyway, even though it was a short match, it was still a good match to watch. Those two guys can't go wrong in the ring together. Totally agree. 
I'm hoping they come up against each other at some point after Seth wins the WWE title, but we'll see what happens. Liv Morgan, okay, yes, I agree that they will probably cross paths again. The My only concern is that Seth beat Finn clean. When a clean victory happens, it, not always, but more often than not, it's kind of the signal that the program's over. So I think it does. Maybe it, maybe it snaps him into the demon. I actually don't. I'm not a fan of the demon, honestly. Am I the only one that feels this way? Probably. Like, I don't hate the demon. I don't think it's, he's not cringeworthy or embarrassing or anything like that. But being the demon hamstrings you in a couple ways. Number one, it's very visual, right? It's very visual. It's, it's all about the face paint. It's all about the, the cool, like, you know, artistic ability of whoever does this on Finn Balor. But it also hamstrings him because he can't talk. You know, like, he, he doesn't talk about when he's the one doesn't talk when he's the demon, which is one of his strongest uh, abilities is on the mic. And it, it's just like, I don't know. I, to me, I like regular old Finn Balor. I don't like this Hulk up of the demon. I don't hate the demon. Don't get me wrong. It's just not my favorite version of him. I like, uh, I like good old Finn Balor. That's angry. So perhaps it does snap him though, into some kind of different mode. Um, but uh, we, we shall see Liv Morgan won't win next week. Becky will either cheat her way to win or there'll be a DQ finish or something like that. Agreed. Yeah, I, th- I think we all believe that uh, Liv has uh, you know, next to zero chance of winning that match. But that's not the point. I-, I mentioned the point earlier about how the fans react, and I think it's a litmus test by WWE. That's my real belief. Uh, Randy Orton and Riddle are very entertaining when they're on. I find some things Riddle says funny as well as the reactions by Randy, even almost after... Even after almost 20 years, Randy Orton is as good to watch still as he ever was, and it was good to see Edge back. Yes, uh, Randy Orton, you know, I don't think he gets credit enough where it's due. Randy Orton is just a guy that uh, continues to show you that he is one of the best of all time, and he doesn't seem to age. I think that's a part. Part of it is that he has managed the volume of bumps that he's taken in the ring. And being in a tag team, you take about half the bumps, which elongates your career because you're not throwing yourself on a, uh, you know, uh, on the ground or on the hard mat you know, 20 times during the match, you know, for six nights a week. So being in a tag team has also lightened the workload. And also he, I, I believe he travels by bus, his own uh, like kind of tour bus or luxury bus and hell good for him. He's earned it. You know, I, I would travel in luxury, too, to preserve my body, my sanity. Maybe bring my family along on some some trips like yeah, hell. Yeah, people always try to scoff at people, you know, stars that have their own buses. Uh, good for them. Good on them. They deserve it. Why wouldn't you again? It's just I don't know. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Randy Orton is still he's he's just in some kind of time warp where he doesn't age and he's still as good as he was. It's amazing. Yeah, it was good to see Edge back. I actually cried when he retired all those years ago. Uh, yeah, that was emotional. I do remember that. I believe after after he beat Alberto Del Rio, I believe. Um, on this part of Raw, I also get excited when I heard Miz's music hit and saw him and Maurice come out. The promo between Miz and Edge was good. I haven't seen the Punk and MJF video yet, so I can't comment on that. But yeah, that segment was pretty good. Uh, highly recommend, brother. Go watch it. <laughs> Go watch it. It's a requirement. 
the requirement of listening to the show. Um, besides, the WWE Triple Threat at day one will be interesting. What other matches there, uh, there end up being on the card, but there's like nearly four weeks or so between now and then. So we'll see what happens, I guess. At the moment, since the draft back in October anyway, I find Raw to be my favorite show with Finn, Becky, Seth, out of my um, out of my favorites all on Raw. And I mostly just watch SmackDown to watch Roman Reigns and Sasha Banks. As where before the draft, I mostly watched SmackDown and only watched bits and pieces of Raw because none of my favorites were on the show. Anyway, can't think of any more I want to say, so I'll catch you next time. Thanks. Thanks, Joel. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the draft does kind of shake things up. And, um, you know, it, it, Raw does. I will say this. Given where we were pre-draft and post-draft, Raw feels like a better show than pre-draft. You know, like Raw, Raw still, or, or you know, it has its problems, mainly the three hours. But it also seems like it has, the draft has done Raw well. It, it's really helped out the show. SmackDown, yeah, they took a lot of stars from SmackDown, but it's still the Roman Reigns show. They're still doing really well, and it still feels like a an important show that you can't miss. So, all right. Uh, so that, uh, that concludes at least that part of the show. Of course, I still have one more. I'm not going to forget this. I'm not going to forget this because y'all know what time it is. It is time for In the DJ Booth with none other than DJ Kuzmo. And here we go. Mr. DJ Kuzmo writes in this week. He's back after taking a week off. He says, hey, Matt and WWE AEW podcast fam. This is DJ Kuzmo back at it again on your mailbag show. Welcome back. Hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend. A lot of wrestling talk and quick fire rants to get to. So let's go. So the golden egg debacle slash rock return promo ideas. If you smell what The Rock is cooking, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, hold it. After all the hype up talk, all the rumors about his return, Survivor Series ends with no appearance from The Rock, the people's champion. Why, WWE, why do you torture us, the fans, and those that saw Survivor Series and Monday Night Raw live in Brooklyn with a stupid, wonky storyline of a missing golden egg? Can someone from WWE creative, uh, the creative camp explain to me what the hell does a missing golden egg have to do with anything with wrestling? A gift from The Rock to Vince? Absolute nonsense. If I was The Rock, I would say to Vince at Survivor Series pay-per-view, finally, finally, The Rock has come back to Brooklyn. Now to you, Vince McMahon, you see, it's 25 years of The Rock, the people's champion, the probable, the great one, and I can care less about the golden egg and who stole it. It doesn't matter to me because the only constant is... If you smell what the rock is cooking, you see Vince, you take the golden egg, you shine it up real nice, turn it sideways, and stick it straight up your candy ass. Can you not hear the rock saying that, guys? I'm sure I I emoted it on point, or as the kids say today, on fleek, right? That was just pitch perfect on my part. I mean, I really, really just, you know, just dove into that role, didn't I? I really just, uh, I I think... uh, Kind of got lost in the role. <laughs> um, okay. Then Monday Night Raw comes. Austin Theory comes to the ring. 
and says, he was the one that stole the egg. Then comes the rock. And the rock says, so you stole the egg? You stole the egg? You stole the rock's golden egg? Out of all the jabronis in the locker room, you stole the egg? And then he says, so what's your name? Then Austin Theory says, my name is. And the rock says, it doesn't matter what your name is. And the crowd chants, Rocky, Rocky. And the rock says to Austin Theory, you tell Vince, you can take that golden egg, shine it up real nice and shove it straight up your candy ass. Then, of course, the rock gives Austin Theory a rock bottom. I'll apologize, Matt, for the rock promo and possible interaction with Austin Theory. My mind can go kind of on a tangent of crazy ideas pretty quickly. But think about it. Since Austin Theory is pretty much Vince McMahon's new favorite wrestler that he adores, why not let The Rock have a one-off feud with Austin Theory at, say, the Royal Rumble? The Rock defeats Austin Theory, and then as The Rock is leaving the arena, he has a brief interaction with Roman Reigns backstage, planting the future seeds for their match at the Ro- of The Rock versus Roman at either WrestleMania or SummerSlam, and the god-awful story lay, uh, egg, Golden Egg storyline will be a forgotten memory. Whew. Okay. Wow, DJ. Um, <laughs> see, you gave us in our minds as I was reading that, and in I'm guessing the people that heard me speak your your idea here, exactly what should have happened, or at least one of the versions of what should have happened, and at least there would have been a payoff to the ridiculousness of the golden egg. I mean, you can't. I, I just still don't get that at all, and I bet you there'll never never be a payoff. And then Austin Theory this week getting slapped by Vince McMahon saying, "Expect the unexpected." Like what? What are we watching? What is this? Some kind of hazing by Vince on national television? I don't get it. Anyway, back to your email, TJ. Yeah, look, you, you, you said it all right. I mean, that's exactly, I think, one of the versions. There's many variations, but I think this is perfectly fine and would have made sense. The Rock comes back. Austin Theory is a fine guy to uh, you know hit a, hit a rock bottom in a people's elbow. It also gives a rub to Austin Theory that he's worked with The Rock. No doubt. No doubt. But they gave us nothing. Like, seriously nothing. So, all right. You got me all excited, DJ. Like, I, I almost imagine that that actually happened because to me, that's exactly what I... I, I would have put a lot of money down. That's at Survivor Series Rock was going to be there. Good thing I didn't. Okay, next section here. The promos. Like I will mention in the voice recording, it seems to me that WWE management was watching AEW Dynamite last week with the main attraction of that show being the promo battle between Punk and MJF. And they literally wanted to recreate that promo battle on Raw because if you look at that promo battle closely between Miz and Edge, you almost see similarities with that promo between them and Punk and MJF. I think, and I I know I mentioned this and I'm sure I'll mention it a couple more times throughout the show, but I, I think you're exactly right. They saw that AEW was getting a lot of notoriety from this segment and they said, you know what, we, we, we can do better or at least... That's what Vince probably said to creative is, well, that, that was pretty good, but uh, I, I think we I think we can do better. You know, you can just hear Vince in his alpha male voice and his uh, sometimes delusional ego believe that he could top that. Now, did Edge and Miz top what MJF and Punk did? Hell no. MJF and Punk created a promo that should be viewed and studied for years to come by wrestling uh, students. Like, it should be one of the first things you watch when you get to a training facility. And there should be, like, a, you know, papers written about it. It should be somebody's, like, thesis. It, it really needs to be, like, in some kind of... Uh, it should be immortalized. I mean, it was 
I, I really believe it was that good. It was that good. Um, but yeah, they, they clearly try to create their own version, trying to say to send the message that uh, they can two, two, two can play at that game and we're better at it. And they're not. They're not. And that's no again, that's nothing on Miz and Edge who did a great job, a great job. But it wasn't Punk MJF. Okay, both Edge and Punk were interrupted by their fellow opponents in the ring, uh, their fellow opponents ring entrance. MJF mentioned to Punk that he didn't say his name as one of the future opponents that Punk would like to feud with in AEW. The Miz mentioned similarly to Edge that he did not mention his name as a future opponent to Edge. Great, great observation, DJ. I totally missed that. This just doubles down on mine and your confirmation that that's exactly what this was, was a response to the uh, to, to the critical acclaim that MJF and Punk were getting was this. It's exactly what it was. And boy, oh boy, is there there's no better time to say that Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery more than right now. I mean, that that's great observation. Great observation, DJ. And of course, both promo battles reinforce the other wrestling promotion. Yes, they, they, they reference them uh, in, without actually saying the name. Yes. Now, I got to say, when I heard Mrs. Entrance Music, I was like, ugh, not again. And I would have never imagined a few between Edge and The Miz. That, that being said... Both guys have excellent promos, and since Maurice seems to be officially back on the WWE roster, there is a possibility that somehow we get a returning Beth Phoenix at probably the Rumble and she feuds with Maurice, or have uh, all four have some sort of mixed tag team match. So I'm interested to see where this goes next in terms of storyline development. Yeah, you know, it's amazing what one promo, when it's done really well, can do. It suddenly makes you want to see two guys that you never would even were on anybody's radar, you know, from last week where... If somebody proposed to me that Edge versus Miz was going to be on a card, I would have said, yeah, no, thanks. I'm good. But it's amazing when you see two guys who connect on on camera, have chemistry, and it becomes quote unquote real, what that can make you do emotionally. And that's called invest. Get into the character. Drop into the character, as they say. And that's exactly what we did here. I mean, it, you talk about going from essentially just a cold program with nothing on the line and no backstory, assumingly, to bam, all of a sudden you want to see them. That That's that's hard to do. But uh, your, your uh, assumption about Beth Phoenix, again, was uh, reiterated in a prior email, and I do think that's very possible. Next segment, the Elder Statesman, both CM Punk and Edge, or should I say Adam Copeland, are having some sort of welcome back to her as beloved babyfaces. I'm slowly starting to get a little bored of both of them as babyfaces at this point. When do you see, when do you possibly see these elder statesmen return back to the characters that made them uber successful? Very good question. Uh, If you're going to ask me who I think is closer to turning heel, probably... That's a tough one. Man, why do you put me on the spot like this, DJ? I mean, if I was smart, I'd just hit pause and then come back. But uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pretend this is live. I'm going to say that Edge is probably closer to, to a uh, to a heel run than CM Punk is. If I was to guess. Now, they may never turn either, either of them heel, which I think actually would be a bit of a missed opportunity. 
but both of them should turn heel. I think Edge as a heel is just exactly what you said. It made him super successful. Um, and I want to see that that uh, the, the ultimate opportunist. That's who I want to see before Edge calls it a career. And I believe we will. But I think Edge is closer. When do I think that is? I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't. I'll say maybe sometime in 2022. How about that for a vague answer? But Punk, probably not. He'll probably go uh, babyface for another full year, and then we'll see what happens. Quickfire rants. What's going on with Finn Balor? He recently lost to Seth on this past episode of Raw, and since being drafted in late October, he has not had a decent win-loss record. And since he lost to Roman as the Demon in a, in a hokey finish at Extreme Rules, everything has pretty much been going downhill for Finn. However... I'm looking at it as creative probably slowly trying to build back Finn to main event status because Royal Rumble season is upon us, and I'm still sticking with my pick for Finn Balor to win the Rumble and then win the WWE title from Seth at WrestleMania in Dallas. Wow. Okay. Well, very possible. You wouldn't know it by Finn's just complete downslide over the last uh, you know month and a half since he lost to Roman Reigns, but... Finn Balor and Seth Rollins is a surefire four-and-a-half-star match at WrestleMania. Like, you know the match quality is not the problem. It becomes a star power problem for Vince McMahon, right? Like, I don't know if Vince views Finn as worthy enough, character-wise, stature-wise, star power-wise, to face Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Now, you and I and a lot of other fans would say that, uh, no, Finn is a great opponent. You know they're going to have a great match. Finn can talk, like, probably more than you realize, and he can talk you into uh, this matchup. He's got a you know, he's got quick wit. He's much deeper as a character. He matured even more being in NXT. There could be something there, but um, you could be right, DJ. But I just fear that Vince doesn't view Finn that way. That's the problem. Last week on SmackDown, Tony Storms gets pied in the face twice by Charlotte Flair and doesn't retaliate. She doesn't show any type of revenge emotion. Yeah, yeah I, I, I went off on this on my week in review, and I said, this is, this is what like you know a, a child would do if they were humiliated in front of the school, like in the cafeteria. You're, you're sitting with your friends, and the bully comes over. And, uh, you know, hits you in the face with a pie and you just stand there humiliated, but you're too scared to fight back because either they'll, they'll beat you up or you'll get suspended or, you you know, whatever the case. That's what it felt like. And it kind of demasculated, uh, if that's a thing, for Tony Storm anyway. The, the female version of emas- emasculation. <laughs> um, de-womaned? I don't know. I don't know what the gender term is for that. But uh, Tony Storm got completely emasculated and didn't fight back and didn't show any any kind of uh like fire under her. And you know what? WWE has had a, a bad habit of doing this over the last like year or so. Like look what they did with Naomi or not Naomi. Well, yeah, even Naomi with uh Sonya Deville, she just somehow is restrained and attacking Sonya Deville. Uh yeah, I know she's management, but so what? She should have snapped by now. And with Bianca Belair last year, with Sasha Banks slapping her multiple times. And then, you know, we have her just point at the WrestleMania sign. Like what the hell was that? You know? And it's like, why don't you have your baby faces snap when they should, they should show fire. And instead, a lot of the time 
they feel like them showing restraint and control is a sign of maturity. Like fans want to see something like that. No, especially Tony Storm getting pied like a child in front of, you know, the, 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 the cafeteria. Like, come on. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Okay. Moving on with the uh, vignettes. Ay, ay, ay. Too many times for what probably seems like almost two and a half months, we have been getting Xylee uh, vignettes for SmackDown and Veer Mahan or Mahan vignettes for Raw. When are these wrestlers debuting? Don't don't forget about Elias. (laughs) Don't forget about Elias. Uh, I think he's lost. Somebody should send out a search party for Elias. I mean, I think he's he's lost. Um, Okay. What I probably should say, no offense to these wrestlers is, when are these wrestlers getting released? Because we had an Eva Marie and she's been released. We had a Keith Lee vignette and he's been released. We had almost, we had a host of other vignettes that I can't remember off the top of my head. Even Elias had a vignette for about three months and now he's probably on the verge of getting released. All I'm saying is, what's the point of producing vignettes and then all of a sudden the wrestler or wrestlers get released? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, DJ. I think it comes down to Vincent Kennedy McMahon and his fickleness of coming up with a great idea, thinking it's a great idea, and then he wakes up the next morning and goes, ha, I've got a better idea, pal. Hey, well, let's scrap this and go with this. You know, I, I was watching uh, I was watching a, a movie last night, and they did this, and I said, oh, this, this is going to be some good sh- you know what, right? I, I think Vince is extremely fickle, and he's beginning more and more fickle as his age continues to ascend. Okay, here's a new vignette that occurred during this past episode of Raw. Bobby Lashley. I don't know if you saw it, but the link below is below in the email. Anyway, video starts off with Bobby's accomplishments in the military, amateur wrestling, and then it's fast-forwarding us to his first run as in WWE as a babyface, winning the U.S. title, then the ECW title. However, the second half of the video package shows off a course, shows, of course, the heel cur- current heel character of Bobby. To me, in my opinion... I think the first half of the video was like if creative was trying to make Bobby a baby face. And the second half was the video of a highlight reel of Bobby as the heel character. I don't get what creative's motive in creating a Bobby Lashley video package for this was. I was just a little confused from the video starting off as a feel good story. And then the second half being a highlight reel. I I, I don't get it either. (laughs) I don't know. I really don't know, DJ. I can't answer that. It's like two teams had opposing goals and they just said, "Ah, well, we don't know the purpose of this. We'll just throw these two together and let the audience decide what this is about. (laughs) It's ridiculous. Okay. Final quick fire rant. Big E. All I got to say is boring. When Big E cashed in the money in the bank on Bobby Lashley, the whole crowd was excited. But since being champion, the crowd doesn't seem so excited for him. It's the proverbial shine has come off the ball. It's like after when a couple gets married, they've gone through the honeymoon phase of relationship, the excitement simmers down, and it's the same I'm seeing with Big E. No offense, but to me, Big E seems like a mid-carder with a major title, and of course, it goes back to the dreaded New Day gimmick, and of course, it's just a matter of time until Seth wins the title of, off Big E. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Peace. P.S. I've got a fiery, positive voice recording that is attached to this message about this past week in wrestling. And a fiery rant here and there. Well, I'll get to that, DJ, as, of course, in the very first uh, voicemail. We'll put yours at the top. But uh, we still got (laughs) quite a few messages to get through. Thank you, DJ. And, yes, Big E is uh, exactly what you said. Boring. Definitely. Okay. 
So uh, that does conclude our Patreon portion of the emails. Let's get to all of uh, our other emails. And you know what? Before I forget, because I did this last week, I don't want to forget. Let me pull out my phone here. Make sure I'm prepared. I'm so, you know, I'm so professional. Um, let's get to our, let's do this. Let's go to Instagram. And this is PJ from Melbourne, Australia. And he uh, sent me a message on Instagram and said, frequent listener of the show. And I'm a fan. This is my very first message on your show and wish you all the best for your show. One thing I needed to tell you is that I was a huge Kane fan growing up. And the fact that he was never given the spotlight that he deserved, like the undertaker, Kurt Angle or edge. Anyway, take care. Yeah, look, uh, I am a huge and was a huge Kane fan as well. I think Kane was the unintentional victim of being on an all-star legend roster. Uh, And what I mean by that is, as great as Kane was, that's how good the roster was that he was not the man. He was, for a brief time, he was, like, when he first debuted, nobody can beat him. He was that monster that was masked. And, not like, in, like, late 97, early 98, when he was just this unstoppable machine, he was, he was a, I mean, to me, that was the, the height, height of his career. But once Austin became who he was, once The Rock got to the level he was at, Undertaker was always, uh, to me, and, and in most fans' minds, above Kane. Uh, you, you had Triple H, Mankind. I mean, the list goes on. So with all of those just A-plus legendary talent that he had to share the spotlight with, like, Kane was just a byproduct and an unfortunate kind of, um, I guess, collateral damage, if you will, of just having a great roster. And, and it's not like Kane was I, – I, not like Kane didn't have a good career, but I think being in the shadow of all-time greats, that's the downside of being on the roster with all-time greats is you unfortunately have to live in the shadow of them. And if they weren't there, you could have had the spotlight easily. I think that's why. So thank you, PJ, from Melbourne, Australia. Hope all is well going on there and uh, hope you're doing well. Let's uh, let's see here. Where do I dare go? Where do I dare go here? Um, I'm going to go to Jim from Pennsylvania. Let's get to Jim from Pennsylvania. He says he's got a couple thoughts about what might happen on SmackDown this Friday. First thing with Drew not being in the Battle Royal, do you think they will team him with Jeff for a run as tag champs? Okay, first thing, it's very possible. It's a weird time for Jeff because Jeff is getting more support from the crowd than he has maybe since he started back in WWE and WrestleMania 33. It's pretty damn solid for Jeff, and Jeff is showing he can still go. So do they put him in a tag team with uh, Drew? as kind of an interim and eventually maybe get to a title match with him and Roman. Maybe I, I could see as kind of like a hold me over for both of them. They could have a run as tag champs. It's possible. Yeah. I mean, I hate to have a cop out here, but it's a very solid possibility. Yes. And it would also give drew something to do in the meantime, too. Second, I think with Brock coming back already, maybe his first opponent will be Adam Pierce to even get even for the suspension. And yes, I hope it is. I really hope it is. I want to see Brock Lesnar just demolish Adam Pierce, like uncomfortably to, to like a level where you just go, Ugh, is he actually hurt? Not, I don't, I'm not advocating for real. 
I don't want Adam Pierce to truly be injured, of course. But in fantasy land of pro wrestling, I wanted him to be as physical but as safe as possible. Seeing Adam Pierce get thrown around and tossed around like a rag doll is like one of my favorite pastimes. It's so much fun seeing him get beat up. Um, so, and if this is Jeff's last good run in the WWE anyway, do you think he may go to AEW for a tag run with his brother and then retire together? That's all for this week. Stay safe. Yes. Um, I think that's absolutely what, sh- if, if, again, this is me and I've not heard anything, but if he was going to end it in WWE, either it should be Roman or edge to end his career. I, w- I would advocate for Roman. Um, maybe eventually get to an edge match, but I wouldn't have edge end his career. That said, yes, I don't think that just because WWE and Jeff Hardy split ways whenever that happens, and it maybe is Jeff's final match, that he wouldn't have another wrestling match again. I think I could I could see him in AEW absolutely with his brother. Yes, yes, and I think Jeff would be a nice addition to uh, AEW wrestling occasionally. So yes, good call. Thank you, Jim. Smart stuff and. Uh, Let's keep it going. And where do I dare go next? I'm scared here. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Dennis, Dennis O'Brien. And he says, so Matt, you want to go B? And I, I'm, when you say B, I am guessing you're not saying bye. I'm just, you're, you're about to say big, right? Um, you're joking. That's very good. You're this close to being banned, Dennis. MJF versus Punk promo is epic, but I'd like to hear another promo between these two guys, but don't overdo it by having several of the long promos. Yes, uh, that's a good observation. Again, I think it was epic as well. It was one of those, like I said, the ones you study for years, but I agree. Uh, Not the long drawn out. And you know what? The long drawn out part of it was really on MJF's part. The thing is, though, he's so intriguing and and, and, and eloquent and well-spoken and doesn't stutter like I just did. He is so just well-spoken and witty and smart that even though it was long-winded to get to the point, it was just, it was fine. But I'm, I'm cool if you, I know what you mean though, right? Like cut it, cut the promo time in half, do like a 10 minute segment with these two and just get to the point. I hear you. Paul Heyman and Kayla have ex- uh, great chemistry. Yeah, they've had great chemistry for a while now. That's no secret. Um, there's no, I don't know what the payoff's going to be here. Kayla just continues to be, um, getting under the skin of Paul Heyman and it's working. Uh, maybe they'll have a match between Kayla and Paul Heyman. I'm joking. Uh, I stopped watching NXT a few weeks ago and I'm very confused on who the heels and baby faces are in the men's war games match. Uh, please tell me it isn't in that little arena. They have NXT 2.0 on a weekly basis. I know that's a question for Zach Smith. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say that, um, you know what you can do actually reach out to him directly. Why don't you reach out to him on Twitter? I'll give you his uh, Twitter handle here. And it is, make sure I get this right. It is Zach NXT, at Zach NXT. So I'm sure he wouldn't mind to follow. And also, sure, uh, pose that question. I can't answer that. I would be completely BSing my way through that. I don't know the answer. So thank you, Dennis. Good stuff. Always a great weekly contributor as well. Uh, Let's see, where do I go next? Rocking through these emails now. Let's go to the other Dennis here. Uh, Dennis McGinley says, I know in the past that WWE have had number one contenders matches that lead to nothing. Do you think Sami Zayn is number one contender for the Universal Championship? Would WWE air it for free on SmackDown like the championship matches or uh, or when? 
because you still have the story of Brock Lesnar still in contention for the uh, Universal Championship, who is facing Roman Reigns at the day one pay-per-view. You know, okay, I do believe that here's what's going to happen. Here's my belief, and I still stay in, stand by this. Brock Lesnar is going to be on SmackDown this week. So that means to me that Brock Lesnar's coming to beat somebody up. I hope it's Adam Pierce, but I hope in the process he also uh, maybe has an actual match, um, if that's I, I have my doubts. But here's what I think is going to happen. Brock Lesnar is going to be awarded Sami Zayn's victory. Meaning, we have a Sami Zayn versus Brock Lesnar matchup that's going to end very quickly as Brock Lesnar is going to just quickly beat Sami Zayn. And the winner of that match faces Roman Reigns at day one. So Brock Lesnar will essentially steal the um, steal the, 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 the number one contendership from Sami Zayn. And we saw that kind of last week. We saw the spotlight be stolen from Sami as Kayla was interrupted just as Sami Zayn was making his victory speech of becoming number one contender. And I think that was a foreshadowing of what's to come that next week, not only is Brock Lesnar going to be there, but he's going to actually steal the number one contendership from Sami Zayn. So I don't actually believe we're going to get a Sami Zayn-Roman Reigns match for the Universal title because Brock's coming back. And I don't think Vince believes heel versus heel is a good matchup for anybody of, you know, that anybody would really feel strongly that they want to see that, that the interest would be very low. Um, but, uh, that's what I think. So Roman Reigns is going to face, uh, Brock Lesnar at day one. I mean, I really believe that, um, you, you, I mean, you could string it out to Royal Rumble because Royal Rumble is a bigger pay-per-view. But um, we'll see this week on SmackDown. This week on SmackDown is going to be the, the tell-all. So uh, Then who is facing Roman Reigns at the biggest stage of them all at WrestleMania? Two options, Drew McIntyre or The Rock. One of the two. Getting to this past week in the review, you had Uncle Chris. Um, one thing I like that Chris got to at the end of the show was Michael Cole saying, it's boss time and hearing your reaction to that phrase, that catchphrase. Big shout out to Uncle Chris. Looking forward to hearing him again. Also a big shout out to The Crisis for the fill-in on SmackDown for Michael Ritter. He did a great job, as you would expect. Yes, thank you so much, Dennis. Uh, Michael Ritter, uh, yes, was out this week. But The Crisis has been so just, just such a great asset to the to the show and being able to fill in and, uh, and, and do a celebrity shot, as he would say, for uh, Mimi and for Michael Ritter during the holiday time frame. And uh, just such a smart guy with wrestling and, and, and an asset to the show. So... Uh, definitely shout out to them as well. And yeah, Uncle Chris was fun. Um, you know, that, that was absolutely fun. And actually, <laughs> now everybody's going to go back and listen to this, uh, to the weekend review. The reason I say that is because I forgot to edit out like the first five or 10 minutes when I, I have like my introductions with a new guest and I give them the lay of the land of like, hey, you know, uh, here's what we're going to talk about. I'll do this. I'll ask you this. Um, and you know, there'll be, uh, you know, before I hit record, there's going to be 10 seconds of silence. It wasn't intentional. I meant to edit that out. So you guys get to hear kind of like a, a conversation you normally wouldn't have. I, for whatever reason, just in my, you know, sleepless stupor over the last few weeks, I forgot to edit that part out. So if you want to, you know, hear a little bit of behind the scenes of how things go before the show starts with new guests, then uh, definitely take a listen to the weekend review. Uh, it was not supposed to be on there. And one of the listeners pointed it out, and I was like, whoops. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm not going to edit it out now. There's no point. Um, but if you want a little bit of behind the scenes of like, you know, what our conversations are really like and kind of peeling the curtain back a little, then uh, listen to the beginnings of the uh, Week in Review this week. So uh, thank you, Dennis, so much. 
and I hope you uh, contribute next week. Um, oh, and yeah, the, the boss time thing. My God, that was painful. <laughs> Just painful. Okay, let's get to... Oh, boy, who do I go, who do I go to? Uh, I, have the, I have the heel. I have the heel Owen, but I think it's a voicemail. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get to... I believe we can actually get to voicemails now. So we're going to get to the voicemails right now. But as promised, as promised, we're going to get to um, our patron, our excellent patron, and a really strong support of the show, of course, Mr. DJ Kuzmo, to start off the voicemails. Hello, WWE Podcast World. This is none other than DJ Kuzmo back at it again on your mailbag show. I'm recording to you live once again on a Tuesday evening. It's pretty windy out here, but I hope all of y'all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you all have been full of the turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce and all that good stuff that we love on Thanksgiving. But now that Thanksgiving is over, let's get to some wrestling. And man, oh man, did y'all see last week on AEW Dynamite, our wet dream finally came true of MJF and CM Punk. Let's go! Finally, we get to see them go head-to-head in a promo battle, none other in a place called Chicago, great old Chicago. CM Punk's country and man oh man it was great to see this for the first time ever that MJF and CM Punk had a promo battle and it was a promo battle for the ages I mean I mean MJF went hard on CM Punk talking about some truthisms talking about you know the fact that he was second fiddle to none other than the you can't see me man talking about the whole shattered society and how he looks like a junkie oh my goodness it was just beautiful beautiful just great promo work if you all want to spend some time watching some good promo i advise to you watch this 18 to 20 minute video clip on youtube mjf and cm punk and you would be so happy investing in this you don't even have to have a wrestling match right now these two can just start talking, talking smack about each other, going into some personal truthisms. And man, oh man, for the first time ever, I think CM Punk, if you look at CM Punk's eyes, CM Punk, it, it looked like those those uh, those promos hit, hit CM Punk pretty deep, man. Because the first time I saw CM Punk, I was like, hmm. I want to see the old CM Punk come back. I want to see the straight edge society CM Punk. I want to see that old CM Punk come back because I know he's out there. I know he's out there. Yes, we we, we all get this. Uh, it seems like this is a uh, homecoming tour. But when the homecoming tour comes to an end and we get to see the old school CM Punk, I can't wait to see that. And it seems that MJF is really digging deep in these promos. We all know that MJF is one of the best and uh, by far the best heel in the industry today in the wrestling industry by far but him going head to head with none other than CM Punk what a thing of beauty to watch this on Thanksgiving Eve I totally forgot what else happened on on AW Dynamite because that was the main thing that highlighted the show and like I said these two didn't even have to go ahead didn't even have to you know start fighting start you know throwing some jabs they just had to you know just hit some some great, great, awesome promo work by the both of them. And I can't wait to see what happens this Wednesday on Dynamite between the two of them. 
We all know, we all know, MJF. MJF won this battle by far. No offense to CM Punk. We all know he's the great wordsmith. We all know that he's the great promo guy. But MJF won this promo battle. And I cannot wait to see what happens this Wednesday. I cannot wait to see what CM Punk will say, what MJF will say in this promo battle. Because we are finally getting this feud, you know, the first time when, when CM Punk finally came back to AEW, I was excited to see, okay, I wanted to see a rivalry between him and MJF because so much of MJF today is because of CM Punk. He's a total CM Punk fanboy. He mentioned, uh, oh, CM Punk mentions that he has, that, um, that, uh, that MJF has his poster on his wall. But other than that, I can't wait. I can't wait. Now let me get to some WWE because I know this is not the uh, the AEW review show. But let's get to some WWE. And what we saw uh, last night on Monday Night Raw. Now first and foremost, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to put this out there into, into the universe. I'm thinking that somebody or a group of guys or whoever from the WWE management team must have watched this past episode of AEW Dynamite and they saw that promo battle between MJF and CM Punk and I'm thinking they were thinking you know you know it was like you know what maybe just maybe they we could recreate this and put that on Monday Night Raw I'm just saying that I don't know if it's true or not I'm just saying that but what we saw last night for the first time ever Liv Morgan actually looks credible. She looks like a believable babyface. Yes, we all know that she may not win this uh, title match against Becky Lynch. But when I saw her, when I saw her strut her stuff, when I saw her just walking with confidence, walking with gusto, walking with some moxie, some fire, and I saw that in her eyes. And when she said, shut the hell up, Becky Lynch, I was like, yes, yes. That is what I was thinking too. I was thinking the same thing to hear Liv Morgan say that. And of course, she cut a promo about, you know, Becky Lynch's contract being the main reason why the rest of her friends from the Riot Squad have been released. I don't know if there's any truthism to that. But other than that, Liv Morgan looks credible. I see the fire in her eyes. I see the passion. And yes, she may not win this title match next week on Monday Night Raw. But I love to see that from the wrestlers, to get that emotional investment in Liv Morgan. We all are pumping for Liv Morgan to get an opportunity, to get a chance. We saw that last night on Monday Night Raw, and pretty much, it might have been a scripted promo. Who cares? I don't care. I don't care necessarily about that. All I care is that she is looking believable. And she kind of reminds me of Trish Stratus. She kind of reminds me of Trish, and Trish Stratus is the way how she... You know, she moves the way how she has confidence in herself, that believability. And um, I can't wait to see what happens uh, on uh, on Monday Night Raw next week between her and Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's title. Now, I want to get to SmackDown. I know I, I haven't uh, gotten to talk about wrestling last week because, you know, it's Thanksgiving and all. But I want to talk about SmackDown. Now, we had our, we had our Battle Royale. Uh, I guess you could say it was 30 guys or 25 guys or 18 guys. But other than that... We got to see uh, pretty much uh, the uh, the creme de la creme, the, 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 the leftovers, everybody that didn't really get an opportunity except for Drew McIntyre. But we'll get to Drew McIntyre as the weeks go by. But other than that, we got in the finale, 
We all thought that Jeff Hardy was going to win it. We all thought that Jeff Hardy was going to raise his hand in the air and be the number one contender to face Roman Reigns for the Universal title. But wait a minute. We all forgot about Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn, a couple of uh, moments in the, the Battle Royale, he was slipping underneath the ropes. So he did not get eliminated. And he happened to come back right at the time when Jeff Hardy's music hit. And he tossed it, Jeff Hardy over the rope and he is now the number one contender i am so happy for Sami Zayn. we all know that Sami Zayn most likely will get defeated easily by roman reigns but wait a minute this is supposed to be Sami Zayn's moment okay we get the breaking news that none other than brock brock lesnar is coming back next week why is that happening right at the point where Sami Zayn is celebrating his probably his first and only opportunity at the Universal title. Are you kidding me, WWE? I didn't like that. I despise that. But I hope to see what they're going to do with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn has finally, finally be in this title picture. And I want to see what's going to come about. I know that Brock Lesnar most likely will be coming to SmackDown this coming Friday. But I want to see how they're going to book Sami Zayn as we go along on SmackDown. But other than that, folks, Thanksgiving is over. We do got Christmas and New Year's, but we are right in the thick of things for the Royal Rumble season as we go into the month of November. Sorry, into the month of December. As we go into the month of December, I am pumped up. I can't wait to see what transpires on SmackDown on Monday Night Raw. Of course, we have NXT War Games this coming Sunday. And man, oh man, none other than CM Punk and MJF. I hope you all have a blessed week. I can't wait to see what happens this week on Dynamite between the two of them. And I will talk to you all next week. Hey, DJ. Well, great energy as always. And it's great to hear from you again. I know you were away last week, as many people were, and it, it didn't feel the same on the mailbag. So it's great to have you back. And uh, so many points that you made here. I, I you know, I, I'll select a couple of them. Liv Morgan and the Trish Stratus analogy. I never heard that before, but I see it. Um, yeah, I see it. I, I will say Liv, I think, is better on the microphone than Trish. Trish was never great on the mic. On her return, she was, I got to say, I, I love Trish. She's a... Uh, kind of a nostalgic, uh, great performer. She's great and really good in the ring. And she was uh, added credibility to the women's division that needed it at the time. But she's, you know, Trish was never, never good on the microphone, almost ever. Uh, that said, you know, there's rumors of Trish and uh, Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. As Trish has said, I put this out on my TikTok, by the way, go follow me at the WWE podcast. I put a, a bit of a quick video out on there saying that Trish seems interested in Sasha Banks. For a matchup so go watch that but um yeah like I, I see the analogy that's that's interesting tj and yes mjf and, and punk i've i've railed over that over the last hour many times i can't say enough about it and uh sammy zane getting an opportunity for the first time again as you've heard my previous uh, answers here i don't think he's even going to get the opportunity i think brock's going to steal it from him i really do I, I i don't think he'll even get that opportunity which will further the whole conspiracy against him. I know he's not the, he's not really identifying himself as the conspiracy theorist that he did. He kind of morphed into the elder statesman 
But I think he, you know, it's still kind of there and the conspiracy would be reopened, I think. So DJ, man, oh man, uh, great to hear from you as always. And uh, I hope to hope to have you back on through uh, the holidays. Maybe, you know, obviously when we get to Christmas and New Year's, I'm sure people will be taking their time off. But uh, if not, I'm sure we'll talk to each other on Discord or Twitter or the other hundred places that we uh, that we're all chatting. So thanks as always. Let's uh, let's keep things going was good y'all you know who it is it is the crisis and hey hey i'm in a good mood today i'm feeling fresh so i'm gonna give you my hashtag fire playlist today live morgan your fat check is the reason why my friends are gone fire miss killed it with his best mjf impersonation becky lynch should be taking notes fire uh, uncle chris trolling matt on the weekend review fire with tat joining patreon fire josh the hand saying f no when the miz came out and turning off the tv fire uh hey yo my hashtag lunchable breaks of the week anything mysterio or hurt business related a lunchable break anything miz related from the resonant heel on the mailbag show lunchable break and uh hey my what moment of the week Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns having a stare down before Roman Reigns' dark match after Monday Night Raw. Do not forget that. I'm just saying, woo, Survivor Series 2021 can't come soon enough. But you know it was coming. What? What? You thought you, you thought it wasn't going to happen? What am I known for? Trash. You wanted it. Yeah, ask for it. I've waited to give it to you, so I'm going to give it to you. I'm only going to go for this week alone. And so we start off with this. AJ Styles pretending to be blind. Trash. Uh, Montez Ford's Stevie Wonder impression of AJ Styles pretending to be blind. Trash. Pat McAfee. Let's go, Brandon. Trash. Uh, Slept through Raw again. Trash. All Thanksgiving promos. Trash. Uh, Tony Storm. Pie to the face of booking. Trash. Uh, Becky Lynch gimmick uh, keeps going back and forth. McGregor. Cool. Uh, Real Becky. Uh, What? You you know it. Say it with me. Trash. Uh, DJ Kuzmo running out of Lunchables. Trash. Uh, Vince McMahon alluding to big surprises and not following through. Trash. Uh, NXT 2.0. New kids are just not ready for the mic, the big lights, or the matches yet trash uh i'm just saying and uh the best moment my number one moment of the week man i gotta say uncle chris you just got me feeling good as i'm gonna take the rest of my three minutes i have 15 seconds i leave you with this Is there some kind of conspiracy to you know try to end my life early? Is that is that what's happening here? Is there is there, is there a coordinated effort going on behind the scenes to uh, to to, uh, to somehow induce an aneurysm in my brain? Is that is that what's going on here? I mean, I again um, the visual of if you want to imagine what I look like here, uh, my head is in my hands. Just I I can't. 
I can't do it, guys. I mean, you're doing so well, Crisis, and you you, you have to pull on Uncle Chris. Man, um, okay, well, I'm going to pretend that didn't happen and talk about the other uh, many points you made. I got to say, your your points are, first of all, they're well taken, well done. Maybe you should, and you're already doing this, create a fire and trash uh, segment, right? Like, and it seems like you're already doing that, where you, you talk about the things that were fire, and then you talk about the things that were total trash. Fire and trash. I feel like that's poetry or something. Uh, no, it's fire and ice. <laughs> but hey, good stuff, good points. You know, uh, the whole thing, the, the whole let's go Brandon thing, I never really touched on. I know you did a little bit in the SmackDown review covering for Michael Ritter. Yeah, I mean, I Michael Ritter, or Michael Ritter, uh, let's go Brandon with Pat McAfee was just not necessary, man. Like, I'm not telling you which uh, side of the political aisle I lean on. I think that that would be a bad idea for podcasting, at least wrestling podcasts. But uh, when, when politics are directly driven into wrestling, it's a bad idea. And Pat McAfee was trying to be culturally, pop culturally hip and up to date and trying to let everyone know that he knows what's going on outside wrestling and try to somehow bring it into wrestling. And aren't I, you know, aren't I just so up to date and hip and and current with the events going on. I think Pat McAfee sometimes takes it too far. And, uh, you know, he he said it very quietly when the f- fans were chanting and he said, are they saying, let's go, Brandon? Yeah, uh, he's, I don't know if it's an attempt to be funny or whatever. Bad call. But you just, you don't bring politics into this. You don't. Uh, we all know what let's go, Brandon really means. Um, but nonetheless, moving on. Yeah, crisis. Yeah, good points all the way around there. Uh, you know, the NXT point. Um, you know, obviously the pie in the face with live all the things that we talked about previously, uh, you bring up, uh, you bring up some good ones and, and again, your call, but the fire and trash, uh, dichotomy seems to be working very well. So, all right, let's continue on and uh, see who's next up on the voicemail train. Hello, listeners, fans, supporters of the mailbag, the show that I personally own, uh, as it's my show, uh, it's always been my show since the day I first wrote in. I thought that it would be perfect if I um, sent in a voice note for the first time so you guys can hear the voice behind the words of God. Uh, as some people like to say, people obviously who are much smarter than people like Matt, people like DJ Kuzmo. Even though I'm, you know, I, I like DJ Kuzmo. Like I, I generally really, really do like the guy. It's just that, you know, normally I listen to the mailbag as I'm going to sleep because no one's opinions really matter too much. Um, then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll fall asleep and I'll be hearing uh, into the DJ booth, do 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 do, or whatever the whatever the music is. It's not very good. Um, and then I wake up and his uh, voice, uh, his email is still going. And then I'll fall asleep again and I'll be like in some deep, deep long dream about. The new day uh, finally breaking up. Yes, a long dream. Then I wake up and I'm still hearing DJ Kuzma. Isn't it? It's nothing against DJ Kuzma. I don't know. I'm waffling. Uh, I don't want to go over three minutes. I don't want to break a rule. Because, you know, I like rules. I like structure. I like formation. But yeah, this is the resident heel. Uh, doing a voice note. Uh, what, do I even, what do you even say in a voice note? Uh, no one can do voice notes quite like... Uh, Mr. Casual, Sir Casual Wrestling Fan, as I like to call him. I know no one else calls him that because no one respects him like I do, which is a shame. 
personally, I would, um, I wouldn't have it if I was him personally, but that's just me. Uh, so yeah, I might do this again, might not do this again, might send this in, might not send this in. It's up to me, really. None of you guys really matter, so, uh, no one matters, actually, apart from me. And maybe DJ Kuzmo sometimes, when he actually writes in, which isn't too often, actually. I have, uh, gotta say, I'm the most consistent guy on here, apart from maybe DJ Kuzma, but uh, last week I wasn't here because I was not watching wrestling because I had something important on, which is none of your guys' business, but um, I know you guys were celebrating Thanksgiving, which is the most uh, pointless holiday celebration, it's rubbish, like, what what are you guys celebrating, the harvest, you're celebrating nature, oh, oh god, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand it, okay, I don't, I don't really get it to be honest you've already infected our country of halloween if we start celebrating thanksgiving i am going to start living in scotland and that's not a place you want to live in uh, let me just say that as a guy from england we don't like scotland anyway uh how long is this uh, it's been oh exa- exactly three minutes so i'm gonna sign off i'm gonna say goodbye i'm gonna say peace uh apart from if you don't like me then not peace to you, uh, all of my fans out there, which I know is everybody, um, I wish you a alright day, hope some things go well, hope some things go bad, because you know it's all about character building at the end of the day, all the things that go bad is character building, all the things that go well, it's just uh, ego boosting, anyway, goodbye. Well there he is ladies and gentlemen, the most sincere, heartfelt uh, voicemail we've gotten and from the, uh, the resident heel Owen here, and um, probably the, the one of the funniest lines uh, is when he said, uh, "Hope thing, some things go well and some things don't." <laughs> Imagine saying that to somebody. Or like, I mean, typically you end a conversation with like, "And hope everything goes well," but also saying, you know, you know, and I hope things like some things also don't go well. Imagine that. Uh, so that, that was that was actually kind of funny. Um, so you spent three minutes running down uh, most of the, the audience and building yourself up. That is a true heel right there. That is a true heel. Owen, you will be forever hated as a heel because that's your goal, right? You're a heel. You want to be hated. So that is, uh, you're, you're going to get the reaction that you desire. I promise you. All right. Uh, so thank you, I think. And let's, let's get to uh, our next voicemail here. Hey, Matt. Brad in New York. A um, couple quick points. I just finished watching SmackDown. thought it was one of the best episodes of the year. Um, a couple things. First of all, they're using Sasha Banks all wrong. She really should be getting into a program with Charlotte Flair, not this Tony Storm stuff or anything. I mean, putting Sasha in these meaningless tag team matches and stupid stuff like that does absolutely nothing for her. And I mean, she's one of the best female wrestlers in the world and to use her like she's some sort of C-plus player makes absolutely no sense to me. That's number one. Um, Number two on that 25-man battle royal that had Sami Zayn beating Jeff Hardy. I saw a lot of people saying after the match that, you know, Jeff should have won and da-da-da-da-da and obviously he did win with the chicanery of Zayn coming in the ring and knocking him out after it was supposedly over. Um, But at the end of the day, this was not going to lead to a championship run by Jeff Hardy beating Roman Reigns or anything like that. The perfect scenario would actually be, you know, having Jeff Hardy win, which obviously wouldn't happen if it's not a second brand, but like the U.S. championship, United States championship, or the Intercontinental championship. 
Um, maybe a good scenario would be, you know, Nakamura attacks Boogs, turns into a heel somehow, and, uh, you know, then Hardy faces him at some point for the Intercontinental Championship, wins it, great moment. Obviously, the crowd's behind him. Um, thirdly, um, well, I guess that's, that's kind of it. Um, that's kind of all I had. Um, oh, I did want to say something else. About all these wrestling videos you see, um, you know, Wrestling Hub and, you know, all these different things that do, you know, shocking moments from this week in pro wrestling or whatever. And, you know, they're usually six to eight minute videos, whatever. I think that these, these guys are paid off by AEW to put these things out there because they always make these statements like it was another very bad week for WWE with a lackluster show and da 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 And then in AEW, this amazing thing happened and that amazing thing happened and da 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 I personally think that WWE is way better, even though they've lacked a little bit here recently on the storylines. And again, I thought that this was one of the best um, SmackDown episodes of the year. I thought it was really, really good. So um, that's about it. Thanks, man. Great show. Hey Brad, uh, well, sorry I saw I, I didn't see your voicemail buried in the, uh, the the Google Voice that I have set up. Otherwise, I would have elevated your voicemail. So my bad there. But um, thank you as always for your support, much appreciated. Um, and so your your few points here, Sasha Banks should be elevated. Yeah, she should. She should. She is one of the best female wrestlers in the world. No question about that. You know, Sasha versus Charlotte is the predictable huge main event, right? And that's their ace in the hole. So to have Sasha being on a transition from a heel to a babyface, albeit kind of a weird transition, and I would argue she's still a heel, but in WWE's eyes, apparently she has transformed, and in the eyes of many fans, she has. But I, I don't think there's any logic there. But that, that said, the point is to keep them separate. So when they want to go to this program again, one-on-one, they can do it, and they can do it in a way where it's established solidly that Charlotte's the heel and Sasha Banks is the babyface. And I think that, again, outside, that's the biggest matchup that they have. So they're trying to save it, and I don't blame them. I would do the same thing. I would save this matchup for when it's appropriate to pull the trigger. WrestleMania or a Royal Rumble, you know, something along those lines. So they're trying not to, and I applaud this because they often don't have self-control, but to try to keep them apart. So that's going to mean that Sasha feels like she's in a position that she doesn't deserve, but they also can't just blow their huge program right away. They have to have Sasha doing something else right now. And if it means working with Shotzi, I'm cool with that too, because it's also helping elevate new talent. You know, it's not all about just always the two big stars going at one another. You need to help build the the, uh, the talent as well. But I understand your point. Uh, Hardy winning the Intercontinental Championship or some kind of secondary championship. Yeah, because as you said, we all know he's not going to win the Universal Championship. It's all about trying to just squeeze as much juice out of Jeff Hardy's career that's left. And him being IC champion, having a nice run with that, I think would be a very appropriate way to end his career. You know, unless Roman Reigns wants to do it. We talked about that earlier, which I think is actually a more uh, beneficial thing to do. And uh, it would add to the the legacy of Roman and, and Jeff, for that matter. As far as... Um, you know, those videos you see that seem very pro AEW and anti WWE or the other way around. Look, wrestling is all subjective and you're going to get a lot of times where those big, you know, like YouTube channels or whatever 
are very pro AEW. They give the five worst things, or like you said, why Raw was the worst ever. Like here's six top reasons Raw sucked. A lot of times there is an agenda behind it, um, and you you seem to be keen to that. And like you said, it's all subjective. It's all subjective, but there is usually a motive. There is usually a motive behind the madness, and that is what you're seeing right now. So I wouldn't put much stock into those. Everybody needs to formulate their own opinions, of course, on the product. You shouldn't let other people's opinions or YouTube channels, no matter how big they are, or other videos you may see, uh, you know, skew your love or hatred of a company. And I hope nobody hates either company. I hope as wrestling fans, we would all want both companies to succeed because that's that creates competition. And it also creates two legitimate places where guys and girls can go to work, you know? So, all right. Well, uh, thank you so much, Brad. And uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you uh, next week. I hope anyway. Okay. A few voicemails left and then we're going to close it out. Here we go. Hey, Matt, Brad in New York. Um, I had left a voicemail earlier this week, just wanted to follow up on one more thing. Um, you mentioned Liv Morgan didn't sign the contract. She did. Um, you might have just had your head turned, like you said, but she did sign it um, on TV. Um, secondly, um, how the hell did you get Drew McIntyre to do the intro to your podcast? I'd love to hear the story behind that or where you got that from. That's pretty big get. Um, very interesting. And um, thirdly, you had mentioned a few times over the last few shows, or not the last few shows, but over the last few weeks, like why would we ever accept Sasha as a good guy? Because she got beaten up? Like why would Sasha Banks now be a baby face? Is it just because she got beaten up and we're supposed to feel, feel sorry for her? They've been positioning her as trying to be friendly with other wrestlers over the last few weeks. Like, even when she was beaten up by Sachi, um, she was trying to help her and be like a mentor to her during that match, which, you know, some could view it as a nice thing and something that a good person would do. So, you know, that's definitely part of it. It's not just her getting beaten up. And B, um, you know, she also was very, um, uh, I forget what tag team she was in. Oh, with I think it was with Aaliyah and someone else. She was so happy. Um, for Aaliyah when she had pinned uh, whoever it was, Natalia, in that match that they had two weeks ago on SmackDown. Um, she was definitely being, like, a good friend and teammate and all that stuff. I think they're trying to position her as, like, someone who's, like, more of a team player than ever, and, you know, she wants to be a mentor to these people, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's the reason why they're trying to make Sasha more into a baby face than maybe she was before. But... You know, she should stay as she is. She's so good at kind of being who she is, which is, you know, a little kind of cocky, and that's the best version of Sasha, obviously. So um, I don't know, man. Again, great show. Thanks a lot. Oh, hey, Brad. Um, I should have stitched those together. I don't know how I missed your second voicemail. Um, but good points. So let me respond to this. Liv Morgan. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out. I didn't go back and rewatch. I must have turned my head just at the wrong moment, <laughs> looked down or done something. I don't know. Maybe my my uh, three-year-old was driving me crazy. I don't know what it was, but I missed it. So thank you for clarifying. She did actually sign it. Great. Uh, Drew McIntyre, how did I get him to, uh, to, to do the quick intro to the show? Uh, well, you know, we're, we're, we're really good friends. Uh, you know, we, we go back a long way. We went to school together. He's actually inviting me to Raw next week. 
uh, for like a front row seat. He actually might even be able to get me on the show and do some kind of segment in ring and take a bump. <laughs> um, actually, no, the, the more real option is Cameo, right? Uh, <laughs> Cameo was uh, the method in which we used to, uh, to be able to get him and uh, create a shout out for the show. But also the full uh, video from Drew I put on my Twitter uh, account. I did this back in July. He gave a shout out to all of our, our co-hosts at that time and, uh, you know, talked about his obsession with E-Federations back in the uh, early or late 90s. I mean, he's my age. He's, I think, right around 36, right around my age. And uh, so he grew up during the, the time when the wrestling websites were few and far between. Podcasts wasn't even a, a word that existed. And E-Federations were uh, the, the, the big deal back in the 90s. And I remember that very well. E-Feds were a thing big time. And, uh, you know, so I may retweet that, but uh, it's on my uh, Twitter profile, uh, Twitter timeline, I should say. So that's how we got him to do it. Uh, But Sasha Banks, yeah, I mean, you, you, you create a stronger case as to why she's positioned as a baby face rather than just getting beat up once and we're supposed to feel sorry for her. You know, all of a sudden she's being, she's playing nice. And she's helping out uh, the younger talent like uh, like um, Naomi, actually, for example, too. She stood up to Sonya Deville uh, standing up for Naomi. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that. But here's the problem with all of that. And you're right that that is a piece of why we're supposed to believe she's a babyface. But Sasha's track record, and it's a long one, is really against her here. What I mean by that is... We have seen this version of Sasha over and over and over and over again, trying to be nice, and she eventually turns on whoever. Why do you think her finish is called the backstabber? Not by accident. She has been, and outside of the Bailey uh, breakup, you know, she has turned heel a lot and has proven that you can't trust her. So the goodwill of fans has been eroded to believe and trust that you're actually going to be a babyface they can invest in because you've shown time and again as a character, you can't be trusted. So I think that's unfortunately the the Achilles heel with all of the things you said about her being nice and playing nice and being sympathetic and all that and empathetic. Yes, I'd agree if the character hasn't shown a long ass history of doing just the opposite and stabbing their partner in the back for their own benefit time and time again. So I think uh, that's my counter to that. But good points, good points. So let's get to, I think we only now, now we only have two voicemails left, and let me make sure the numbers are different. Yes, the numbers are two different numbers. So uh, let's get to those last two numbers and see who they are, and then we will say goodnight the lights. So here we go. Hey, it's Kyle from Baltimore. Uh, I, I just got done watching SmackDown last night and all that stuff. Um, the it's very again, it's very jarring to me. Again, it feels feels like it's not SmackDown is not good compared to Raw. I mean, this is this is the truth because I looked at Raw. This stuff on Raw I meant, I meant to Becky and Liv, Seth Rollins and Big E and Kevin Owens. Like those are the main two storylines on, on Raw. I meant to on SmackDown, what is there? Charlotte and Tony Storm, which is cool to see. I'm glad Tony's getting TV time in, in the position that she's in. But her promo wasn't that great, honestly, for, for what it was. And it seems to me, too, that Liv and Tony are one and the same in terms of not being comfortable on the microphone. 
compared, you know, compared to Charlotte and Becky, who are two, two of the biggest stars in the net in women's division in terms of who, you know, of who they're facing for the championships. And then when it comes to Sasha Banks and not really Sasha, Sasha in, in this thing now with Sonya Deville because of, because of uh, Naomi, where is that leaning to? Again, I, it's to the point where I don't know where this, where this is going. It's starting to get really boring at this point with the whole storyline between the, between uh, Naomi and Sonya where it starts to bore me and now they're trying to add Sasha to add something to it, which I don't know what that could be. I guess so that we can see that is somewhat intriguing. But so gets her theme with Shasti's though over with. I don't know. So that's weird. Um, but that's my two sides about that. SmackDown is just a, it's just a Roman Reigns show. And, you know, he's starting to not, he doesn't bore me, but it's like, there's no credible challenges for Roman Reigns. And like I said before, all the people that I, that all the stuff I'm interested in in WWE is over, is over on Monday Night Raw. So Raw is the better show. Like I, I, Mentioned this, I think, when the draft happened, I was because of who got drafted over there. But that's my two cents of the whole thing. SmackDown is just a Roman Reigns show, and no one else matters. Raw is people there that I matter besides one person. So that's my two cents up on it, on the fact, on that fact. So get your sense on that. But that's the dish we're called by. Kyle, welcome back to the show. And I've not heard anybody say Raw is the better show in quite a while. Feels like it's backwards, but I understand your point. It, it is a very Roman Reigns heavy show, but the draft recalibrated things as we knew it would and took a lot of star power from SmackDown to give it to Raw. Raw needed help, guys. I mean, remember how awful Raw was compared to SmackDown and how long, how many months we complained about how awful SmackDown or Raw was? It was, it was, it was pretty egregious. So the fact that it's being balanced out and now you have fans, actually some of them like yourself, Kyle, saying that Raw is a better show, that's good. That creates debate. It wasn't just super lopsided like it was prior to the draft. So that's a good thing. Uh, as far as your a couple of points here, Liv and Tony uh, Storm not feeling comfortable on the microphone. I would say Liv kind of came into her own this week. Whether they were memorized lines or not, I, I believe a lot of it was, but she did a great job delivering it. I really enjoyed Liv uh, this week. Tony Storm still feels a little bit kind of awkward on the mic, a little bit. She's not that bad, but that'll come with time. And she's on the main roster with the biggest women's star on the roster in Charlotte Flair. You know, it's a, it's a big time for her to show what she's got. And, uh, you know, I think that'll come with time. Uh, so, yeah, they're not comfortable on the mic as you know, at least in comparison to some of the greats you're talking about, Sasha, Becky and Charlotte. But that's not a fair comparison. They've been on the main roster for many years in the biggest spots you can possibly have. These women just coming up and just, or at least in Liv's opportunity, just getting an opportunity for the first time, you're not going to have that same buttery smooth promo. It's it's just, it wouldn't be expected. So, and as far as where the hell Sasha, or rather Naomi and uh, Sonya Deville's all going, I don't know. I hope it leads to a, a Naomi and uh, Sonya Deville match. Because this past week, they really cooled it down by having... Sonya Deville at ringside clapping with no funny business, and she seems to be on the side of Naomi. No, I don't believe she actually is, but it cooled things down in a matchup and a program I was actually interested in, but they got to come up with a payoff sooner than later. I hope it's a day one match between them, uh, and we finally understand why Sonya Deville has an issue with Naomi. We still haven't been told that either. She just has an issue, and we're supposed to accept it. Well, I'm not going to accept it until I know why. 
uh, I mean, I'll roll with it. I think it's been a decent program for the women on SmackDown. It's also nice to see a program that's not all about the women's championship, where it's about personal feuds and issues and personal problems. So, uh, yeah, but uh, and I don't know where Sasha's fitting into this either. She's again, I think it's per the last voicemail. It's a way to build Sasha more as a babyface to help stand up for what's right and help out the other baby faces. So thank you, Kyle. And let's get to our final voicemail for the night. Here we go. Hi, guys. Hey, everybody. It's Mr. Music Casual Wrestling fan here. Hello, hello. We just wanted to call in real quick and give you our obvious prediction for the Big E, Kevin Owens, and um, Seth Rollins match. Um, and obviously, we're going with... Seth Rollins. You knew who it is. I think... Even the casualists of casual wrestling fans would see that Seth Rollins obviously going to win this match. And if he doesn't, we got a problem. Um, I, I will say it is interesting <clears throat> to see that they're putting Kevin Owens in this, in this match. I mean, he's, he's looking like a million bucks and he's on his way out. So, you know, kudos to WWE to let him have, you know, I, I guess time and the shine before he leaves, you know, but. You know, that's all we want to talk about. We're actively grilling, but we want to chime in real quick. Um, so we hope everybody has a great uh, night. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. And, uh, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a great night, guys. Wow. Well, okay, I did not see that coming. I really did not strategize that. I really didn't strategize that as the big finale. It just kind of happened. The wrestling gods came down and said, you guys are going to end it with uh, Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan. I, I did not do that on purpose, but uh, save the best for last and uh, hear from Mr. and Mrs. Casual Wrestling Fan is, is such a treat. And we're going to hear more from them in the near future. I'll just say that. Um, just great, great, uh, great couple of individuals and uh, such a great uh a great way to end the show and help. They've done so much to help this show out, especially with the mailbag. You know, they're just, just great, uh, great people. So that said, and all that praise aside, yeah, look, Kevin Owens, I think, as you said, if WWE is actually treating him with respect on his way out and he didn't sign a contract, then, you know, good on them, good on them. But I think Kevin is still there to take the pinfall. You believe Seth Rollins is there to win the championship. I believe Seth Rollins is there to win the championship, pinning Kevin Owens for the victory, protecting Big E. I think all of us can see that coming. You know, I think that that's absolutely going to be the case. I think you're right. I think, as you said, the casualist of casual wrestling fans can see this coming. This is uh, a mile away. And if it doesn't happen and Big E still remains champion, uh, that that's like the worst possible scenario. Right, like if Biggie retains, imagine that. I mean, like there are two outcomes that I'll accept: Kevin Owens winning or Seth Rollins winning. Biggie retaining would be like that'd be a nightmare. Not as bad as hearing uh, it's boss time on on a loop, but pretty close. So, Mister Mister Casual Wrestling fan, I wish you all the best. I hope you you both had a great Thanksgiving as well, and great to hear from you both. You're big fans of both of yours. We have a lot of fans that are fans of yours as well. And uh, we hope to talk to you soon. And thank you to everybody who contributed tonight. Thank you to everyone who just takes the time out of day to, even if it's a few minutes, to make this show what it is. You guys are the backbone of this show. I'm not. I really am not. I'm kind of a, a conduit, so to speak, to uh, for your voices of the show and uh, what you love and hate about wrestling. And uh, if you'd like to support us, you can always do that at Patreon. Go ad-free. And, and look, as the holidays ramp up, we're going to hear more ads on this show. It's a great time as a podcaster to make more money. But if you don't want to hear more of those ads and you're tired of them, 
then go ad free for a dollar on Patreon. A dollar will get you ad free for everything we do. But also on Apple Podcasts, you get seven days free on Apple Podcasts too. You just click on the ad free button on our page. Simple as that. Or if you just want to help out the show and be a nice person, you want to be that you you want to feel giving and charitable this Christmas. You're in this holiday spirit. Well, give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's a really great way to uh, support the show. So, or you can just follow us on TikTok or on Instagram or on uh, on Twitter at wrestling underscore audio. So, thank you everybody. This concludes my podcasts for the week. Of course, we are not done by a long shot when it comes to audio. We've got the NXT show. The NXT show, by the way, is going to be combined with War Games, and that's going to be released on Monday. So we will not have a separate NXT review show from Zach Smith. He's going to combine the NXT review and the War Games review and do a Monday review show. So that'll be coming in five days. But we will have Mimi back this week. We'll have rivalries and, of course, the week in review and Michael Ritter's SmackDown review. So we've got a lot more content coming this week, guys. We're not done by a long shot. And thank you, everybody. As always, I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.